Well, this is the fourth and final talk in a mini-series dealing with Jesus' famous teaching in Matthew chapter 6, where, if you remember, he teaches us not to worry. Now, look, I'm aware we can hear those words and be very quick to dismiss them, can't we? Like, it's fine if you're Jesus, the Son of God, but not if you're me facing this mountain of stuff that is just impossible not to worry about. Or we can think he was just addressing this much simpler agricultural age, not the complexities of life in the 21st century, for goodness sake. And anyway, we've got a much better understanding of mental health than they had back then. And if Jesus had known what we know today, surely he wouldn't have suggested it was possible to live free from worry. And yet, this teaching from Jesus does appear to be pretty clear and pretty universal, doesn't it? He says, I tell you, do not worry. So what are we to make of this? Well, I think it's at least worth hearing Jesus out here. I mean, even if you think Jesus' teaching seems impossible or unrealistic to you right now, wouldn't it be great if it wasn't? Wouldn't it be great if there was a way to worry less? Or better still, in the face of all your struggles, not to worry at all. What if Jesus really could enable you to fight anxiety in your life in substantial ways? Listen, Jesus' teaching in Matthew 6 was not meant to be a burden for us. It wasn't intended to give you something else to worry about, like, now I'm worried that I'm worrying. Jesus' teaching also wasn't meant to lead you into unreality where you merely pretend everything's okay when beneath the surface it's anything but. As we're going to see today, Jesus is incredibly candid about the world we live in. And he wants to meet us right in the middle of all the complications, all the complexities, all the concerns of life and show us the path to freedom. And the reason he's teaching us how not to worry is because he knows that there are lots of things that seem very worrying. He actually acknowledges that each day has enough worries of its own. Jesus never says that life has no troubles or that we shouldn't care about them. He, he knows there are plenty of troubling things that demand our attention. But despite understanding our plight more than perhaps we realise or give him credit for, he still suggests that there is a way to walk free from the stranglehold of worry. However, I think worry is a bit like a plant with deep roots. And unless we successfully remove these roots, we're not going to find any lasting freedom from it. I think a lot of the time we exert all the energy we've got, kind of pruning worry's top branches and then find ourselves disappointed when it quickly grows back again. But what Jesus does here in this passage is show us how to deal with the fundamental root issue. Now, if you 
kind of want to fast forward to the end and know where we're going to end up. In a nutshell, Jesus' message is simply this. The things that you are most devoted to are the things you worry about the most. The things you're most devoted to are the things you worry about the most. In other words, you're going to worry most about the things you care most about. If you want to know what drives your worry, it's the point of your greatest devotion. The things you worry about most reflect your core devotions. The things that matter most to you. Now, just consider this question for a moment. What if you shifted your core devotion? What would happen to your worry then? Well, that's the end destination we're heading towards today. Let's pick it up in verse 24. Here's what Jesus says. No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns for your heavenly father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? If you remember, that is where we landed last time. We saw that there is this relationship, isn't there, between the size of our faith and the size of our worry. Jesus is effectively saying the reason your worry is so big is your faith is so small. Listen, for all of those watching this right now, who perhaps are worried about something. It's just weighing you down. It's like all you can think about, all you can see. Here's the solution. Have more faith in God. Allow him to become bigger in your mind. If you want your worry to shrink, enlarge your view of God. Jesus continues, verse 31, so don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? He's saying, don't waste your time stressing about things over which you have little or no control. Listen carefully, not because they're not important. They may well be very important. Not, not because you should be careless and apathetic and lazy and do nothing. That's not his point at all. He says, don't worry about those things. After you've done all you can practically do today, leave the future in God's hands. And then he adds, verse 32, these things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly father already knows all your needs. He's saying, 
You guys believe there's a God, don't you? You know him. I mean, think back. He's changed your life, hasn't he? He's he's dealt with the biggest problem you will ever face. Your sin and the alienation that it brought between you and God. And yet, by stressing out over all of these lesser things, smaller things, you're acting as though there isn't a God. You're living your life practically as an atheist here. Now look, all of us, don't we, live alongside people who share pretty much all the same concerns that we do. And Jesus is saying that as you rub shoulders with them, your response to these common problems should be so incredibly different that they're stopped in their tracks and forced to say to you, look, you clearly care about all of these things. So why aren't you afraid? Tell me, why do you have such peace? You know, as a church, I think we are faced with a huge opportunity right now. As a nation, it's like we're on our knees. There's so much uncertainty. It's like there's more to worry about than there's been for a long, long time. Which means for those of us who face those same circumstances but refuse to be worn down by worry, our witness is going to be profound, isn't it? People are going to want to know what we've got that they haven't. So Jesus is saying, if you just get sucked into worrying like everyone else, I mean, there might as well not be a God. Here's your big opportunity. Whatever you do, don't miss it. Perhaps you're going, well, can't I wait for another opportunity to come along? I don't know, something like how to handle wealth and popularity and comfort or something like that. Listen, at the end of the day, we do not get a choice in this. Jesus is saying, your struggles and your circumstances are common to everyone. The difference is not the challenge. The difference is your response. Don't worry. Chase after. Fret over the things that those who don't believe there's a loving Heavenly Father waste their whole lives worrying about. You should be different. You must be different. And then Jesus gets to the point he's been building up to. There's something very, very practical that we can do apart from merely trying really hard not to worry. Jesus goes all the way back to the idea he introduced right at the beginning of this passage, where if you recall, he said, you cannot serve both God and your money. You can't serve both God and all this other stuff. He says, the ultimate solution to your worry is redirecting your devotion. The solution to worry isn't to try really hard to stop worrying. The solution to worry isn't to just pretend the problems have gone away. The solution is right here in verse 33. Really, this is the key verse in the whole passage. This is... The point this whole series has been leading up to. You ready for it? Jesus says, Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything 
you need. Do you see what Jesus is doing here? He's getting us to shift our devotion. He's saying, what you've been seeking after has left you in this valley of despair and worry. It's got you to the place you're at today, stressed, anxious, fearful. Can't you see? All the time you've been devoted to the wrong thing. All this while you've been chasing after the wrong thing. You've kept looking for the wrong thing. You've been focused on the wrong thing. So here's the solution. You need to change your devotion to something entirely different to what it's been before. Instead of being devoted to all these other concerns... You need to devote yourself to something very different. Here it is. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. If you remember, over the last few weeks, we've seen, haven't we, how Jesus starts by targeting our minds with rational arguments. He feeds us with truths to act as a counterbalance to the worry we feel. And then he moves on to target our emotions with, again, truths about his love and his care and his commitment towards us. But then he finishes off in this verse going for our heart. He's showing us that worry flows from having a divided heart. It comes from being over-concerned about something other than the kingdom of God. Really, that's what worry is. It's over-concern about the wrong things. And so ultimately, the only way to come to a place of freedom from worry is to be wholehearted in our pursuit of God's kingdom. Listen, as long as your primary devotion is staying safe, having a comfortable life, being respected by others, being popular, getting your degree and financial security and a happy marriage and kids that maybe one day sleep all the way through the night and your sports team of choice winning their next game, as long as those things are your primary devotion you're just going to end up worrying. It's like worry needs a lid to stop it spiralling out of control. And the kingdom of God is a lid on all our concerns because there is nothing higher, there is nothing greater. Once we've stopped running after security and started to focus in on God's kingdom, that dramatically alters our perspective and it keeps us from seeking another way of living that is anxious and worry provoking and so Jesus invites you and me into a whole different way of living it's an invitation to every one of us to surrender our whole lives to him not not a segment not not an area everything Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. Which basically means seeking first God's agenda for the world 
and putting your agenda second in your school, in your college, in your business, in your place of work, in your family, in your finances, in your dreams. You seek his agenda, his will above all else. It means saying, God, I seek your kingdom first and my sexuality second. I seek your kingdom first and my wealth and my comfort second. I seek your kingdom first and my popularity second. I seek your kingdom first and my happiness second. I seek your kingdom first and how I want my life to turn out second. In other words, I've made this transfer of devotion from my kingdom to your kingdom. At the end of the day, I want your will to be done in my life more than I want my way. Now, maybe you're thinking, what if I offer God everything and he takes it? What if he asks me to do something I don't want to do? What, what if, what if, what if? Stop. The whole point is, as things stand, you cannot control tomorrow. You might think you can. You might make a jolly good fist at trying to, but ultimately you can't. So here's the choice. Do it your way or do it God's way. Trust yourself or trust him. At the end of the day, who do you trust more? You or God? Right now. Jesus is inviting you to be most devoted to following him and seeking his will. To put your trust in him, to allow him to take care of your tomorrows. And if you do that, here's the breathtakingly good news. He goes on to say, end of verse 33, and he will give you everything you need what you eat, what you wear, all these other things you need. He'll give you everything you need. Why? Because he cares for you more than he does for the birds and the flowers in the field. And you've been invited into a relationship with him where you can call him your heavenly father. And he knows what you need. And so, of course, he's going to take care of you. So, verse 34, as a result of all of this, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Now let me close this out by making it really practical. Here's what I suggest you do at some point over the next week. I want you to make a list of all the different areas of your life, maybe your school, your college, your job, your family, social life, shopping, paying the bills, uh, stuff you do in the church, dreams for the future, whatever. It might take five minutes, might take an hour or more, but as thorough as you can, here is my whole life. Make the list and then I want you to pray. Say, God, I know what happens when I hold this like this. 
are just end up worrying. And so I want to tell you, I'm changing my devotions. I'm redirecting my primary devotion away from all of this. It still matters. I still care about this stuff. But I want to learn what it means to seek your kingdom above all else. So I'm letting you have this. You are more important to me than all of this. You already know what I want. You know all of my hopes and dreams. But I'm releasing it all to you. Your will be done. I'm devoting my life to you. Now, I don't know where this is landing for you. I don't know what you're going through right now. I don't know what you're dealing with at the moment. But I just want to invite you to put yourself in a place of reception to God. Wherever you're watching this, as long as you're not driving a car or doing something that is unsafe to do this, why don't you just put your hands out? Simple way of showing that you are open for him to come and touch you. And Why don't you just say a simple prayer like, come Lord Jesus. I want to leave a few moments of quiet for the Holy Spirit to do whatever he needs to do in you. Just hear these words of Jesus. You don't have to be anxious. You don't have to be afraid. Your heavenly father loves you deeply. He knows what you need. And he will certainly take care of you. Heavenly Father, you know what's beneath all the stuff that we don't even know about. You know where our hearts are afraid right now. You know where we've been wounded in the past. You know where we're in need of healing. So I ask that your spirit would come with power and light to pierce through all of the darkness. Would you come with fresh revelation of the Father's love? Would you restore hope that's been lost? Would you do a deep work in us that releases us to shift our devotion? holy to you and your kingdom and your righteousness. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.